Welcome to the Guerrilla Film Guide Podcast Roundtable Edition. This episode was recorded during the One Story, One Community celebration presented by Borland River Media and the Utah Film Center and is titled, Oops, Well That Was Awesome, Being Adaptive on Set and the Joy of Failing. The panel was moderated by Cole Glass with guests Jacob Hamblin, Alex Woods, and Connor Long. We hope you enjoy. Hello, you guys. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, my name is Cole Glass, and I need a haircut. Um, I was asked to moderate this panel, and I've been putting a lot of thought into it, and I come to no conclusions as to how this should be going down. But um, I thought maybe we could start and uh, introduce ourselves. Um, Alex, do you want to start with introducing yourself? Uh, sure. Hello. Uh, my name is Alex Woods. I'm a filmmaker. I had uh, Save the Sins playing yesterday. And um, how do we do this? What, what, what are we talking about here? I guess I'm, that's all me. That's, that's who I am. Sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't lead into that very well. No, um, you're fine. This, uh, this panel is called, uh, oops, well, that was awesome, being adaptive on set. And um, I think all of us have had experience uh, working on sets. And if you work on a set, you know that things don't go the way they're pl- the, that things are planned. And then how do you deal with it from there? So... Tell us a little bit about yourself in that context, Alex. Got it. Um, So I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. I grew up playing a lot of music, kind of saw myself as a music artist up until about my mid-20s, and that's when I started to get into both theater and film. And so, and I studied theater in college, Um, never had any technical training on, on film stuff. So um, it was kind of always like this driving uh, passion goal thing in the back of my mind. Um, and in that way, I feel like I've done a lot of just winging it in my filmmaking, a lot of just going for it, not really knowing what I'm doing at all, which obviously lends itself to a lot of mistakes and having to reshoot and do things like that so um there's you know there's no specific examples jumping out at me but i'm sure as we get to talking uh i'll have a lot to say about having no technical knowledge you know going into it um and but also understanding that you know play is a big part of it for me like having fun in the art form that's me cool thank you uh, Connor, do you want to go next? We just saw Connor's film. Uh, previous to that, we he just you just got off your Q and A. Now, thanks for coming here. Yeah, I didn't have to go very far. No yeah, worries. you just stayed right on. Uh, yeah, give us give us the same thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm a filmmaker from Utah. I live in LA now, mostly focused on writing, directing, and animating. 
Um, and I mean, I, I, I've been making movies a while and I definitely know why they wanted me to be on this group. Um, I've been through the ringer as far as like shit going wrong. Um, I've had producers get go missing in Cambodia on a documentary. I burned down a forest in Latvia during a production. Um, I've had a, I've had a lead actor pass away before we finished shooting the movie. So like, mm. yeah, I've been through it and I, I urge you to always be prepared for the inevitable, but yeah, I'm happy to be here. How's it going? Thank you. Uh, Jacob, why don't you tell us a little bit about the same thing? All right, yeah. Um, so I'm Utah, yeah, filmmaker in Utah as well. Um, just kind of grew up watching movies with my dad. Always have a passion for film. Um, saw my sister doing kind of like film classes in high school. So when I came into high school, I just didn't know too much. I was just knew that I loved films. I knew that I wanted to do so. I don't know. I didn't exactly know exactly what I wanted to do. So I just kind of jumped into it, um, met some of my greatest friends uh, through that at high school that also loved film. Um, learned a lot there. Not like anything, you know, too technical, I guess, as a lot of other people would say. And then I'm, you know, we made a bunch of, you know, short films. Um, we definitely failed quite a bit as well. You know, we've definitely learned a lot. Um, but yeah, I do usually writing and directing. Um, I'm going to UVU for digital media right now, working on that. So yeah, I, this is a great panel. I, I mean, I definitely, everyone, every filmmaker has this experience with, uh, you know, everything, like, like I said, nothing technically always goes right. And, uh, I can definitely, I definitely got some great stuff that, uh, you know, that we've had to battle in the past, but honestly, looking back at it, you know, through all the other failures that we've had, I'm very glad for it. So I think actually failing as a filmmaker is one of the, it's, it's taught me more than I've learned from like schooling and all the other past stuff, but just by just doing it. So the failing part has actually been a great, as much as it sucked in the moment, it's been great in the long run. Nice. Thank you so much. Um, there is a famous quote that I can't really find who it truly is attributed to. It's a lot of attributed to a lot of people, but the quote is no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right. And then Dwight D. Eisenhower said along the same lines in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Um, and I kind of feel like that's going to be the theme of this, of this, uh, uh, panel i want to lead us off by telling a story from my own and then i'm going to ask you guys uh if you have stories similar to this um when i was shooting my second feature uh you may now kill the bride it was for uh lifetime we were shooting on the final day we were shooting um the climax of the film which i will just say right now is never a good idea. I don't think you should ever shoot the, the climax of the film on the last day of shooting, uh, mainly for this exact reason. And that is, um, I don't remember exactly what was going on. We were shooting in a bed and breakfast. Um, 
in a room and we were just kind of like losing the day. It was just like very obvious that we were losing the day um, very early to the point where we were like, we're one hour behind, we're two hour behind, we're three hours behind. And I remember we, wa we waited around for a lot of people. I di again, I don't remember exactly what was going on, but it got to the point where we were looking out at being four hours over, over our time. And, <clears throat> you know, you could just feel the weight of that on everyone. You know, I felt it, the producers felt that we were all feeling it pretty strongly and it was really discouraging. And here was, here we were trying to shoot the, um, we were trying to shoot the climax. It was a big fight. There was stunts and there was all this stuff. There was also a huge chunk of dialogue. And as we were sitting around trying to figure out what we could do to like, try to mitigate the loss that we were having, um, I realized that like, well, I should probably start with saying like that whole day, the actors kept on coming up to me and being like, the dialogue in this scene, I, I don't, I don't really like it. I, it's, I'm all I'm doing is saying everything like I'm just summing up the whole movie. And my two actresses were both telling me that they're just like, I don't do it. Now I did not write the screenplay. The producers had written it. So it wasn't an easy, like, yeah, just cut that line out. It was kind of like, just say it. And then we'll, then we'll have it for the edit, you know, but suddenly I realized that like, if I cut out the dialogue that my actresses were having problems with, I could lose three pages, three pages of like, yeah, I knew you were the one was behind this. Well, you're right. I did do this, but I only did it because of this stuff that was really obvious through the story. And so I remember turning to the producer and being like, I think we can cut pages, you know, 90 through 93 out. And she looked at it for a second and then she's like, let me make a phone call. And we made the phone call. Now we obviously that th cutting three pages, we were so far behind cutting three pages. Wasn't going to save the day. We went in overtime, but it helped us uh, not go into further overtime. And also I feel pretty confident that that, that those, that dialogue would have been cut in the edit anyway, because like we said, it was superfluous. So in that way, I think that we kind of saved ourselves a little bit. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't recommend ever trying to shoot the climax on the last day because had we shot it another day, we might've been able to like move stuff around and, and, and shot it right instead of rushed it. But we, we, we were able to find a thing thanks to my actresses kind of talking about how they didn't like certain lines. We were able to kind of like salvage it a little bit. So I think that's kind of like what we're talking about. Like, oops, that was awesome. Whatever. Um, does anyone else have a story like that? Something that's on set. Connor, you're nodding your head. You want to, you want to take it? Um, yeah. I, mean, <clears throat> I feel like that happened. That kind of stuff. Sort of like losing daylight or, you know, going over. And you I mean, I think creative problem solving is the most important skill that 
filmmakers can have because um, you're going to get problems and your your attitude about how you approach those solutions is everything and how creatively you can solve them quickly is everything. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest one would be on, I, I mentioned it briefly, kind of, uh, on my first feature, Point B, we, uh, the sci-fi comedy, um, like I said, our lead actor passed away right bef before we had the ending um, shot and we had to kind of like rewrite the movie. We had to rewrite the movie, the ending and do like a few pickup days to shoot around it. And ba we basically had to find a way to make the character get uh, the, the complete his arc and get what he needed out of the story without him being there, which was all in all, it actually kind of worked, but n not ideal, you know, like obviously yeah. but the, there's, a, there's always a solution. That's, that's my um, bad things happening on set mantra is there's always a solution. You can always find something no matter what you chop three pages out of the end or um, find a way to validate a character without them actually being there. Like there's always a solution. Yeah. Uh, Jacob or Alex, you guys got a, a, a story that you want to share about something um, happening on set that you had to re adapt to that. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so for or kind of the very first uh, big project that I, I did, uh, it's called Out of the Dark. And it was this kind of 45 minute, um, you know, short that we, that me and my crew made. And it was kind of our first, you know, jumping from like 10, like sometimes 15 minute kind of stuff to like 45 minutes. And um, oh boy, <laughs> the, I mean, so many things happened in, the, in this film that, we had to learn from um, <laughs> it, it. It definitely was a struggle. I mean, out of the biggest, you know, kind of mess up of the project, um, we were actually two things. First off, never kind of like you were saying, um, you know, don't shoot the, the climax on the end or the, the last day. Don't shoot the end scene on your first take. Never do that. We definitely learned, definitely learned that the hard way. So don't shoot your, your last scene on the first day. Um, that's a just don't shoot the last scene. Yeah, just it was, man. It was uh, it was it was bad. So the the biggest problem though is we were two days. Yeah, we had two more days left of filming, and we we were on the yeah we were just kind of on the like it's finally done we've done it we we have we have passed all these many small difficulties we're done. And my editor and cinematographer, my good friend, um, he, unfortunately, and I, you know, things happen. Unfortunately, he was moving the footage, all the footage, everything that we had compiled onto another drive. He was doing all this stuff, and he formatted the wrong drive, and he deleted every single shot, everything that we had ever filmed in... I don't know how long 
of a time. It, I don't even remember how many days we spent on this film. Anyway, though, deleted everything, completely gone. And he was, I was there when it happened. I was actually in the basement. He, he was too afraid to come and tell me. So I went that whole first day not even knowing. And he, as we're filming, and he's kind of in a bad mood. And I don't know what's going on. But, you know, we're just trying to power through it. So turns out, uh, you know, kind of we – Luckily, his dad kind of knows some software stuff, and we pretty much just went ham on, like, we got to figure out how to get this, this stuff back. So luckily, through the, you know, through the grace of God, um, we were able to pull about 80% of the footage back off that drive. And, I mean, it was, like, the most scattered, like, you know, some of the – you'd get halfway through the clip, and it would just cut out, or the audio was missing – so it made editing just a complete nightmare on top of that. So the editing process went way longer than it could have. Um, and there were a lot of times where we just like, we should just, this, should we even continue? And it, cause it, after all the small and kind of big things that happened through the set of everything kind of suddenly going kaput, that was kind of like the last round, like, is this even worth it at this point? So through it all, we, we ended up finishing it because it was just kind of like that, you know, we learned a lot from this and we're not going to learn, we're not going to learn kind of like the last chapter of it if we don't finish it. So we powered through it. We powered through the sloppy, whatever was left of the, the corrupted media and we were able to salvage and still pull off a lot of what the movie intended to be. Now, let alone there was that 20% that I do wish that we could have. Um, but looking back at it, I mean, that whole, like, that first, because me, that was like my first, like, big learning thing was that movie. And as much as, like, that sucked, and specifically, like, that big hiccup, like, shoot, what do we do now? How do we tell everyone this? How do we even like edit this now? I'm actually really grateful because one, me and my crew have become a lot stronger because of that. We've worked a lot better because of that. We, we definitely know how to store stuff better. <laughs> so the files and keep that all organized. Um, backups are my, my gosh, uh, my, my editor, my friend Tyler, man, gets sick every time. I'm like, have you backed this up like three, four times? He gets sick of it, but I'm like, I, wanna, I don't want to replicate that ever again. Um, but we, I'm, I'm actually, as, as weird as it sounds, it's, it still sounds weird to me saying it, but I am glad that it, you know, some case did happen because I did learn a lot from that. And I use that past stuff every time I go into my next project. I'm like, you know, I, and I always sit down with my crew. I'm like, what did we do wrong from the last thing? What we can, what can we learn from that? What can we do better? And it's definitely made us improve as filmmakers in the long run. Yeah, that's a great story. I, it has been my experience that it's always worth pushing on. It's always worth um, going on. There was one time where uh, I didn't like the edit that the producers did. And so I got permission to do a director's cut, but the, somehow the, the proxies and the raw weren't named the same. So I had to go through and hand like align all of the things. And I remember somebody comes, walked in and he's like, is this worth it? And it's like, yeah, man, like, this is why we do this, right? It's worth it. 
you, you run into, you run into crap, but it's worth it. That's why we do it. Was that a feature that you had to do that? No. On? Yeah. It was like, it was like a, a 20 minute uh, TV episode, 25 okay. minutes. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't doing thousands of clips. I was doing hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex, you got something for us you want to tell us? Sure. Um, I'm, th- I'm just trying to think of something on my first movie, Say the Sins, just in the case that somebody here watching saw it. Um, I, it being my first movie, I really like witches going in blind. Um, and I had big plans for the whole, really the whole scene. Um, but what ended up happening was we had, we had planned to shoot, um, on like a gimbal basically and the gimbal kept malfunctioning and so what we did instead was just sticks and got coverage and i was kind of bummed but i was also sort of like oh it's not that big of a deal like i just want to capture this so i have something you know and then of course i get to editing and i'm like this is so boring and even when i watch it now i'm kind of sad because it really is just back and forth, back and forth, side, side, side. And I wanted to do so much more like, uh, you know, long one type things where like we start on our shoes and then we come up to her praying her hands and like all these different things. And I just didn't get to do it. And then we shot the whole movie in one day. We shot all the office and um, uh, confessional booth stuff at UVU in the deep digital media uh, like studio room that they have there. And then we quickly went up to the cathedral of Madeline to shoot the cathedral stuff while there was still natural light. And that was really easy to shoot. And then luckily uh, I just told Jared, my DP, who did an amazing job. Uh, I was like, just get stuff in the cathedral so that I can uh, use it for the credits which uh, that's all I had planned for that. And then I got into the edit and I was editing this thing to death. I was so paranoid about it sucking forever. And uh, I just was finicking with it forever. And I just was like at a loss. And basically what happened was I I showed Christian Heidegger, who you know, Cole, I don't know if if you guys know Christian. He's a really great writer, um, uh, novelist. Um, local friend of ours uh, and he's always really good about giving feedback and so I was like hey watch this let me know what you think and he had seen some of my clips that Jared had caught in the cathedral he was like when she talks about uh, seeing cameras hidden in the walls like you should cut to that little thing up on the ceiling that has that almost looks like a camera and I was like dude, you are a freaking genius. And I feel so stupid for not being able to credit myself for this idea because I feel like it's what's going to make this scene, this long ass scene survive basically. And so kind of by a stroke of luck, having gotten those shots and reassembling the edit, for me, it gave it a, a second breath, like a second wind rather than it just being them talking close-ups like the entire movie which would have been so boring 
So um, really grateful for Christian for that note. And, and I agree with what you guys have said and what Connor was saying about there, there really is always a solution. Um, maybe it's not our favorite solution, but uh, you know, it's worth pushing to the end, like you said, Cole. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have, along those lines, we have a question from the audience and that is, was there ever a moment that you initially looked at it as a failure, but turned out to be a great thing? And I was gonna bring up, um, I think, you know, the, the quintessential movie uh, about what we're talking about is one of my favorite movies and that's Jaws, right? Jaws, they, they were gonna show the shark way, way more and the shark kept on malfunctioning. And they just said, well, let's just shoot around it. And they had all these ideas that were like, well, what if, you know, what if we shoot, what if we have a part where they're shooting like these uh, barrels into the shark? So we don't need to see the shark, we just see the barrels going around. And now when we see the shark, that's always kind of like, oh, the, yeah, that was, you know, the shark, eh. But the movie's brilliant because we're never seeing the shark until finally the sharks are working um, towards the end. Uh, but is there anything that you guys have that you look at that, that seemed like a failure? Like I'm sure Steven Spielberg was sitting there going, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And now, you know, it's turned out really well. Is there something like that where, where, where you can identify what you identified as a failure was now a happy accident? Connor, you got something? Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I kind of feel like that stuff happens constantly. <laughs> like every movie is just, um, there's tons of little decisions and moments that, you know, you're not, no movie is under perfect conditions, right? And if it was, it's probably not that going to be that good at the end of the day. <laughs> um, and I guess the, a good example would be because we just watched it, but in Mortal Coil, the I don't know if you guys watched it, but the end sequence takes place in this like dungeon thing, um, which is very just abstract. This the creature is in. We're shooting this scene where there's a monster in this girl's closet, and we had to build this closet to fit the monster and stuff, and we kept shooting right in this tiny little area. And I remember at the end of one day, um, we were the next day we were gonna shoot the like final scene, the climactic moment or whatever. And I was just like, this closet is dumb. It looks boring. Like, and we've already shot here. Like, so I, we, I was just like, we need, we're wrapping, we're gonna call it for today and we're gonna find a solution. And then the next day we like, we moved the creature down to this like dungeon thing and uh, that we found and so during that scene, the girl walks through, opens the closet, and instead of the normal closet being there, it's just this like endless dungeon thing. And she walks in, and it's it's abstract, but it it looks so much cooler, and it like hits the depth of like the emotion a little bit better. Um, and we weren't planning on it, but I just realized that we were gonna fail if we just kept shooting in the tiny little awkward space where we couldn't get any good coverage anyway. And then it turned out to be one of the more interesting, like looking parts of the movie, I think. 
Yeah, like that wasn't planned from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I know that there's like, like you said, this happens so much that I'm having a hard time. Like, oh yes, I cannot remember a specific. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, this just happened to, you know, like this. Oh shoot, we need it. Somebody needs to wear a hat and we'll put the hat on and suddenly the hat can mean something else. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. I, I just, there's too many for me to think of. I think that's the job, to be honest. I think that's, that's a big part of the job is just being the one that can make those decisions and, and, and hopefully your instinct is correct. And right. Yeah. You're the one that has to make the tough calls. And I I think that's going to happen on every movie on every scene. And you're just going to be, hopefully your heart's in the right spot. Yeah. I, I, um, Alex, did you want to say something? I've got a little story, but you finish your thought first. Oh, okay. Should I go? I'll go. Go for it. Uh, I was just going to tell a story about my second movie that I made with my friend Sean Saunders. We co-directed it. And for some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to drive up to Washington uh, and shoot two days out there in forest because we wanted the stark contrast, especially for our Utah audience for when uh, our characters come out of this office building that we've, that's all we've seen in the movie so far. They open the door. It's just like lush green forests everywhere. And um, problem is we didn't have any money to like go up there and location scout. And so I was like, crap, like how are we going to do this? Um, And luckily my uncle was up there. And I, I called him. I was like, hey, he's like really into mountain biking. I was like, could you just like ride around and if you find a place that's like pretty accessible with like a big truck and if there's not a lot of people, could you just like video some stuff, you know? So he, he was our location scout riding around with like a GoPro on his helmet. Like, what do you think of this place? You know, it was like, I guess we'll try that it looks okay you know and then we got there and uh we went to like four or five different options that he presented us and all of them had their own different problems and you know we only had like 48 hours to shoot our movie and then get back to utah so that people could go to work you know um i think that if there's definitely a bit of luck that we were able to find locations and use some of those locations that he had found uh, and it worked into the movie. But I feel like so much of our ability to adapt and bend to whatever the environment was presenting us was the pre-production work that we had put in, you know, like we knew really well, basic uh, storyboarding, ideas and shot lists that we had. We felt super confident about that weeks before going to Washington. And so, uh, you know, I guess falling in line with the theme of the discussion here, I, I feel like there's luck to these things, but also it's a, usually a reflection of your own investment in your story in pre-production, right? It's like, I've, I've prepared enough so that when, when problems do sprout up, I know where to go. 
because I, I already know what the vision is. Right? I already know how to follow the idea to the solution. That makes sense. Awesome. JV, you got something you want to add to that? Uh, kind of like you. I mean, it's so, I, it, I feel like it happens so much. It's so hard to kind of pinpoint like a good story, honestly. Um, it happens all the time, I feel like. So it's, you know, it, it's the job of the filmmaker, which a lot of people don't understand. It's like, yeah, this is a problem solving, you know, job. It doesn't seem like it's going to be like, you could plan everything out and you think it's going to be perfect. And, you know, things change sometimes for the better, which is awesome when it does. Cause you know, it's like this, man, I would have never thought about this maybe until I got there. So yeah, I, I don't know specifically cause there's just so many, it's just, it happens all the time. It's, it's just, you know, natural. Yeah. I, I, um, one time we were, uh, we were shooting a TV pilot and we were shooting in an office and it was an office we rented. And so it was, it didn't have anything. So we had to bring in everything and like dress it to look like an, uh, an office that people were working in. And <clears throat> they had brought in a bunch of monitors, but no computers to hook up the monitors. And so suddenly when we turned around and I'm like, can we get those monitors on? So it looks like people are like here working and they're like, no, there's no, there's no computers like we can go get some computers, but it's going to take us like, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And so I just said, you know what, put some green tape, give me a little X on the screens and we'll do, we'll do screen replacements. Let's keep rolling. And so we shot, you know, and then later in post-production, when I saw the price tag of that decision that I made, I, you know, I weighed that decision in like five seconds. I went to the producer who was a good friend of mine who I worked with, uh, I work with often. And he said, I said, you know, dude, I'm sorry. Like I, I didn't, you know, I didn't know it was going to be that much. And he just said, you know, your job as a director is to make a decision and it doesn't necessarily need to be the right decision or the wrong decision. You just got to make a decision. Like, like if people aren't making decisions, then things stop. You got to keep making the decision. And I feel like I've, I've heard Kevin Smith say the same thing. It's like, screw whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision, make a decision and, you know, look at the price tag and post, whatever. Anyway, we've got another question. <clears throat> um, do you ever experience slash how do you handle imposter syndrome or being too self-critical when a project doesn't come together the way you'd hope? Wow, that is a good question because I have, I personally, the ratio of, projects that I feel like came together the way I hoped and didn't is not even close to 50 50 it's it's way ahead you know things don't usually turn out the way I have hoped um but I would like to hear what you guys think about that you guys Connor you want to sure um yeah I mean I'm glad you say that because I feel the same way. I'm like two out of 10 or something I'm happy with. Maybe the rest of them. I'm like, ugh. It, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I was like the joy of failing. I don't, I don't understand that. 
I don't know if there is any joy in failing, um, but it happens and you just need to, you know, deal with it. But it, yeah. I don't. Do you, do you feel imposter syndrome? Do you feel like you're a hack that is about? Oh yeah, 100%. I think you're, somebody's going to just suddenly the, the, the set is going to stop and everyone's going to point at you and they're going to be like, you are the one that's not, shouldn't be here. Yeah. I, I don't feel that when I'm on set actually. Um, right. Thankfully I'm pretty, I get into a very different mode when I'm shooting and it's, I take it pretty seriously and I'm, but it's usually when I'm like in post or screening the film, pretty much every time I screen the film, I'm just like, I don't, what am I doing? Like, I'm such a joke. Like it's hard. You gotta like, I feel like a lot of us deal with that. And I think it's probably healthy. I think it's, I think you want a little bit of that. So your ego doesn't get a little out of control. Cause I know people that like, their work a little bit more than they probably should and that's not doing them any favors you know um but it is hard if you feel like you failed to get back on the saddle again um but there's always another movie there's always a another shot just gotta do it (laughs) yeah for sure i think um i think it's exactly right i mean it's I think it's, it come, it's, it's part of the territory to like, one of the things I, I tell, <clears throat> excuse me, my classes is that like, it's the ironic thing is you try to make something that you would want to watch, but mm-hmm. then afterwards, after you make it, you would never want to watch that. Right. Like, like, I don't, okay. like, I don't want to watch my features. Like I've already seen them. Like, you know, this isn't, this isn't something I want to watch, but my, uh, my initial, motivation was to say i want to make something that if i was at a festival and it came on it would blow my mind that's what i want to make so alex you got something there's a a fincher quote that i like about this i think it was fincher and he said uh the footage never looks as good as it does in the dailies and it never looks as bad as it does at the end of the first cut yeah anyway (laughs) go for it alex um, I, I kind of similar to you, Connor. I actually feel like on set, I usually feel confident, maybe like too confident sometimes, but I just, I feel very focused and I'm not really thinking about like my reputation or, you know, like what people are going to think of me for this movie you know, whether it's good or bad or anything for me, it's just like laser focused. But outside of that, especially in post, even in conversations, conversations like this, I'm just like, dude, I don't know Jack. Like I, I totally feel like an imposter, you know? Um, and I feel like I'm going to for a long time. I, I, would, I would bet that a lot of filmmakers, famous filmmakers feel that same way. You know, like it's just constantly you're trying to, prove to yourself that you can do it um but uh yeah no i i think i guess that's that's how i feel i i feel uh also like you know i'm thinking of that wayne gretzky quote of you miss 100 
of the shots you don't take, you know. Uh, I thought that was that, a Michael Scott quote. Is it a Michael Scott? Oh, wait, okay. Um, I need to brush up on my office comedy. I, I, uh, that's the kind of thing that keeps me making movies and carries me through those uh, imposter syndrome kind of moments. It's just like, you just got to keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. It's fine. I, yep, I'm an imposter. Sure, that's fine. Keep doing it, you know, uh, until, until you make a good one. You catch a, a great fish, and you're like, yes, I did it. Yeah. I think, um, just going back to what you guys said, I think that on set is the place for confidence, right? Like, people might not know or care where the ship is going. All they care is that there's somebody at the wheel and they're going somewhere, you know? And uh, I, I, I'm the same way where I'm just like, I get on set and I'm like, let's do this. This is so great. And then, yeah, after, you know, like the, the Fincher quote, like after the first cut, I'm just like, well, let's start thinking about the next one because this one is unsalvageable, you know? And I know that there's a lot of, um, for me, when I work for other people and there's other people making other, like, if I, if, if I can be vetoed by anyone um, at some point, then that really changes the equation on how, you know, things. And I rarely have I made, a lot of times when you're making something for someone else, you know, like if I, if I'm hired to direct a feature and somebody's written it and, and they're, you know, they have plans for it and I'm just, I'm coming in as a director, then, you know, you always start off with like, I really, really just want to make great art. I want to take what they've given me and make it the best. But then by the end, you're just like, I just hope, I just hope the people who hired me are happy. Like, I just really want them to be happy with what we did. I'm not happy, but that's okay. Like if they're happy, then I'm going to feel a little bit better. Jake, did you want to, did you want to comment on this, on this uh, imposter syndrome? Yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah, I guess kind of same with everyone else kind of being on set. I'd say maybe not in the beginning, but like the more I've like, you know, got that like kind of focus, like this is like, I know, like, I know where it's going. I know what I want. I know what needs to be done. So I feel like that's gone a lot better. Uh, I definitely feel like, you know, that's always good. But like, yeah, right after, um, definitely my crew knows I'm way too self-critical on myself. Um, you know, we watch some of our old stuff now and then, and they hate usually watching with me because I always point out everything that I wish that I would have done better. Um, and I think that's good and bad. I know I do it way too much. Um, but I know the reason why I do it is because I know I could have done better. And to me, you know, that's a learning experience of like, I know how I, I could, I know how I could have fixed that, but I didn't. Maybe I didn't know at the time, maybe there was a lot more going on, but I know that somewhere deep down, I could have done a better job. So I think, you know, honestly, it feels good to know that I'm not the only one because it, it does suck, um, you know, looking at yourself and be like, dang, like, I want something because I'm always striving for, like, the next best thing. Kind of like, you know, catch that, you know, like you were saying, uh, you know, catching that fish. It's like, fine, this is a good one. And I want that. Um, you know, I'm still doing that. And, I, you know, I've caught some along the way that I'm like, you know, I did some really good work on this. Um, it's just something that 
maybe is good. And it, it's good and bad. You take it as it is and you look at everything and just, you know, this is what I'm going to do next time. And this is how I'm going to fix it. But being, you know, I've, I'm starting to slowly kind of understand it. You know, you got to understand that's in the past. You can move on and make things better, but still be at least, you know, look at things to realize what you did wrong so that you can fix them later. But, you know, even myself and I'm still working on it, you got to calm down and realize, you know, you did your best at the time. I know that you can do better, but you, you put in a hundred percent, as long as you can, you, you think, or you know that you put a hundred percent on that day or that shoot. And even if you're going back and you're like, man, I wish I would have done that better. As long as you know that you gave your hundred percent, that's, that's what matters. Nice. Kind of along those lines, something I think a lot about is uh, a term I've used before is like having director goggles, because as a director, you know, whether you wrote, like we're all, we're all writer directors, uh, but you know, there's been times when I've directed stuff that I didn't write and either way, like you either the first time you read somebody else's script or the first time you're finished your script, you have this, you have this, you envision what this, the movie is going to be. And you can get very excited about this vision. This vision can be very inspiring and you're really excited about it. And you're just like, man, this is going to be so good. And then you go and you make it right. And as soon as like, as soon as you cast anyone for your role, unless you've written that role for them, suddenly there's going to be a shift from your vision, right? Like you're like, okay, I've just found, you know, my actress and she's blonde and she's not, she doesn't have red hair. So suddenly there's like, well, that's, that's different how I envisioned or whatever. And so we, we walk around with this vision and reality starts creating its own kind of version of what we're trying to make as we create it. And so we sit there and we're like, man, this sucks. Because what we, what we have in our head is so much better. But the thing is, is that's director goggles. No one else can see it. So everyone's just like, no, that turned out really well. And you're like, nah, you, you just don't know what the potential was. The potential was much, much better. And we've, we've, we've shot way low below that. And that's one of my favorite things is to like put some distance and then watch it again and be like, oh yeah, like when I can kind of not remember what I had in mind. And now I can only remember what we shot. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, that came together. But being that, that being said, there's been times where like my first feature or my first student film um, played at a bunch of festivals and I had, you know, which mean I had to watch it a bunch of times. And every time I watched it, it was one cut where I'm like, that cut is too short. And the next time I'd see it, I'd be like, no, that, that cut's pretty good. And then the next time I'd be like, that cut is too short. You know, like every other time. And so I guess in some ways we probably should give ourselves like, don't be so hard on ourselves, but also like if we didn't, would be, would be, would we be as good as directors? I don't know. Um, we have about 10 minutes left. One of the things that's interesting about this, um, this uh, panel is we, we're talking about how failure can turn into something better, right? Um, and I remember when I was at film school, um, a guy came and spoke to us. And one of the things he said, I remember, like, I was like, this is one of the great things is he said, failure way to success. And I'm always like, yeah, failure way to success, which means like, I, I interpreted that as just like, 
do it regardless of what the outcome is going to be. But the, the, the definition of failure is very elusive. And I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing how you guys see things as failures, because for me, I think that like, you know, if, you know, like Jacob, like if you guys would have stopped making your film, that would have been the failure. The failure wasn't that you lost the, the footage because you guys kept on going. Um, and so then you're, but then you're like, well, then how do you, how do you fail your way to success if you don't define it in a way that you guys know what I'm saying? Does anyone want to comment on that? I, yeah. I think that it, it's the kind of thing where, you know, the goalposts for failure shift for each director at different points in their careers. Right. Um, finishing a movie is not a failure, especially early on in your career, you know? Um, but at the same time, if you're making a movie like, like for me, uh, I feel like my best looking movie is my first movie. Uh, and in a way it was good for me on my second film to shoot it myself. I feel like I learned a lot about camera and light stuff. Um, but the third movie I made, my most recent one with Sean, I shot it again and it's like, it looks fine, but it's like my failure there for me was like, why am I not hiring DP? Like, this is not my job. I'm not amazing at this and I'm way better at talking with actors and kind of orchestrating the whole system. You know, uh, I'd rather do that. So for me, it definitely has shifted to the point of now kind of narrowing my focus on what it means to fail and succeed. But you know, this is also all outside of, uh, uh, you know, box office, sales and stuff like that you know what i mean like i'm not even in that league yet so uh it'll be continually shifting for me i think one small little side story before we continue on i was thinking earlier when we were talking about the imposter syndrome uh worrying about failing maybe you guys have seen this but there's a great josh brolin interview where he's talking about being on the set of no country for old men and uh one of the Coen brothers like walks over to him and they're shooting, they're shooting that scene where he's like walking out to the tree, the guy at the tree and he finds the money. And Josh is like feeling really great. You know, he's like, like everything looks amazing. I feel pretty locked in my character, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I kind of look over and Joel is just like, this movie's going to suck. And then he like walked away, <laughs> you know, and then, of course, that movie gets, like, best picture. So, you know, I think even the greats feel that. And um, uh, that's, that's, that's that. Yeah, that's a good point. That You hear those stories from, like, the A-listers, too, like, with, about imposter syndrome and stuff. Um, but... Yeah, back to failure. I think that's a really interesting conversation, actually. That I don't. I think a lot of filmmakers could benefit from talking about more. Is that like, how do you def even define a failure? Like, because even if a film fails at the box office or something, 
but it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not, is it a failure? Like the, for me, it's hard because the, the, the way I interpret failure is I, I, I have such high expectations, you know, like every time I go into a project, I'm always like, this is going to play at all the festivals, you know, like I set this bar that's like way too high for the, even like the budget or, or the resources and capabilities of what we might be doing. And then I it just like, every time I'm just like, and then it lands on me. I'm like, Oh, we didn't get in. We're the worst. I think it's about managing expectations a little bit for me and like uh, being a little bit more realistic about what, what the film what audience the film can reach and probably should reach as opposed to just being like, Oh, I made this comedy sketch. It's probably going to win an Oscar, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I have kind of a rubric of that I go through that I've developed to kind of maintain my sanity. And it's always like, you know, did I pay my bills? Did I have fun shooting it? You know, regardless of how it turned out, did I have fun on set? Like, did I feel fulfilled while I was making it? Did I, do I want to show it to someone now? After, or is it, is it something that I feel creatively represents me? Even though there's, there's these things where I'm like, yeah, I did have fun. I don't want to show it to anyone. I did pay my bills. Mm. I, you know, like, That's like really is, healthy, I think. is it going to be a stepping stone? You know, will it be a stepping stone for, my, for a future project? No, that's Okay. <laughs> because I paid my bills and I had fun. So that's okay, you know. Um, okay, so we have two minutes. Jacob, did, you didn't comment on that. You wanna tell us just a little bit about what's next for you? What do you got going on? Yeah, um, I, yeah, so what's going on? I guess uh, we're in the process of getting a film started pretty soon here called Casualty of War. Um, it's kind of a kind of post-Vietnam War kind of 1970s kind of movie. Uh, just a short film that we're um, starting off pretty soon with my crew. So we're totally excited to do that. Um, start casting, I think, roughly soon. I don't know exactly when, but I'm super excited for that. Awesome. Connie, you want to tell us what you got next? I am currently just reading through all the features that I've written over the last like 10 years and trying to see if any of them are any good or worth making. And then we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely getting excited about making another movie. It's been like a year and a half or two years probably. So. Awesome. Alex. Um, I'm working on a short film in pre-production for a short film right now called nothing new under the sun. And it's a, uh, uh, a guy having a conversation with Vivian Meyer, the uh, street photographer. And uh, that'll probably happen first week of September is when we'll shoot that, hoping to finish that this year. And then uh, also been working on a feature most of this summer, um, trying to wrap that up and, and package it in a way that I can start talking to people. Um, that's me. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I think that's it. You guys have been, this has been a great panel. I appreciate you joining us and all the comments. And thank you. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. So Thanks, much, you guys. Thank you.
Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, it was nice to meet you guys. <laughs> See ya. See ya.